This is AgriPulse Daybreak for Tuesday, November 5th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Daly. Here's today's headlines. Commodity prices face long-term challenges. Farmers struggle to get crops in. And the agritourism boom in some places. Swine fever, ethanol policy to have lasting impacts. As much as farmers are looking for an end to the trade war with China, it'll take more than that to turn around the soybean, corn, and wheat markets. That's the bottom line in a new 10-year forecast issued by Rabo AgriFinance. According to the analysis, there's a 75% probability that soybean prices stay under the 960 a bushel mark because of the sluggish exports to China due to the devastating impact of African swine fever on Chinese swine production. Corn and wheat prices, meanwhile, will be held down by the combination of oversupply, flat domestic use, no or little growth in exports, and increased global trade competition. Now take note, by 2026, the analysts say animal feed will overtake ethanol as a main driver for corn if there are no changes in U.S. biofuel policy. Trump insists China deal be signed in the U.S., President Trump continues to insist that Chinese President Xi Jinping come to the U.S. to sign their partial Phase 1 trade agreement. Trump said it'll be someplace in the U.S. He has said the signing ceremony could be in Iowa, but Bloomberg quoted Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross as naming Alaska and Hawaii as possible locations. China's regional trade pact to be signed next year. China's huge 16-nation trade pact will be signed next year, according to a joint statement released yesterday by all but one member of the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership. RCEP is comprised of China, the Philippines, Japan, Australia, South Korea, New Zealand, Brunei, Burma, Cambodia, Indonesia, Laos, Malaysia, Singapore, Vietnam, Thailand, and India. There are still outstanding issues that must be resolved before India officially joins the pact, according to the countries. Buttigieg, Biden, join ethanol parade. Pete Buttigieg and Joe Biden are the latest Democratic presidential candidates to tour ethanol plants in Iowa as a part of an effort by the industry to build support for the industry. Biden visited a Dyersville facility last week, and Buttigieg toured a plant in Mason City on Monday. A dozen other candidates, half of whom have now dropped out of the race, visited plants earlier, according to the advocacy group Focus on Rule. Elizabeth Warren, who is leading the race in Iowa, took a tour in June. Senator Bernie Sanders is the most prominent candidate who hasn't visited an Iowa ethanol plant during his campaign. Senator Kamala Harris of California hasn't made a stop either. Coalition urges Trump to fix EPA proposal. Some 60 biofuel and farm groups sent a letter to the White House yesterday urging the Trump administration to fix EPA's flawed small refinery exemption plan. From an investment perspective, the proposed rule offers little more than the promise of a partial one-year fix that may never materialize, the letter says. The proposal calls for calculating the number of exempted gallons from small refinery exemptions based on Energy Department recommendations. The group says this converts a commitment to fully account for SREs into a bureaucratically uncertain path that recovers only one fraction of those gallons lost to SREs.
harvest itches along. Cool temperatures, shorter days, and adverse winter weather patterns will likely keep some Corn Belt producers harvesting well into December. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey tells AgriPulse farmers will have a dry window the next few days, but it won't last long. Past the middle part of November, he said, we could be setting back up a stormier overall pattern for the U.S. It's almost like the atmosphere is taking a deep breath right now, relaxing just a bit. Now keep in mind, according to the USDA's weekly crop progress report, the corn harvest is 52% done, soybean harvest 75% done. Both are behind their respective five-year average of 75% for corn and 87% for soy. The last time farmers saw adverse weather conditions comparable to this during harvest was 2009, according to Rippy. Mexico's dairy imports seen rising. Mexico's demand for cheese, milk, and other dairy products continues to climb, outpacing domestic expansion and offering new export opportunities for U.S. producers, according to a new analysis by the USDA's Foreign Agriculture Service. Processing industries such as the baking sector demand large amounts of high-quality dairy products sourced mainly from U.S. suppliers, the report says, with some competition from other countries in some products such as butter from New Zealand. Mexico's imports of fluid milk, butter, and cheese forecast to rise by a 1,000 metric tons each in 2020, but the biggest increase will be for skim milk powder. Mexico is now expected to import 380,000 tons of the product next year, up 10,000 tons from 2019. Indiana struggles to ban smokable hemp. The state of Indiana is appealing an injunction that has stopped it from enforcing a law prohibiting smokable hemp. The 7th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals will hear the state's appeal of the decision, which could have implications for other states trying to disallow smokable hemp. Kentucky already does, and North Carolina's legislature is considering a similar ban. U.S. District Judge Sarah Evans Barker ruled the ban violates the Farm Bill's prohibition on restricting interstate transportation of hemp. She said the Farm Bill allows the state to prohibit production of hemp in the state, but the criminalization of smokable hemp goes well beyond limiting production. Agritourism Revenue on the Rise Farm agritourism revenue grew from $704 million in 2012 to at least $950 million in 2017 and has tripled since 2002 when adjusted for inflation. A report by the USDA's Economic Research Service says the 2017 figure is probably understated since wineries were excluded from the USDA's 2017 census data. Wineries were included in the earlier totals. Keep in mind... Agritourism revenue still is relatively small to total farm revenue, accounting for 5.6% of farm-related income in 2017. Not surprisingly, the hottest areas for agritourism tend to be in the scenic or rugged areas, including Montana, western Texas, and the California coast, and not in the most productive agricultural regions like the Midwest, the Plain States, and California's Central Valley. Farms where visitors can pick their own fruit are popular, too. Good news for endangered species. The Colorado butterfly plant is being removed from the endangered species list, partly because the expected widespread conversion of native grasslands to agriculture didn't occur. 
Before the plant was listed in 2000, the conversion of moist native grassland to commercial cropland was widespread throughout much of the southeastern Wyoming and northeastern Colorado area, as well as in Nebraska. But that conversion has now slowed, Fish and Wildlife Service says in a rule published in today's Federal Register. The agency has signed agreements with 11 landowners covering 2,300 acres that coordinate hay-cutting activities to consider the plant seed production needs, prevent herbicide applications within 100 feet of known subpopulations, and manage livestock grazing. Here's today's He Said It. The U.S. is proud of our record as a world leader in reducing all emissions, fostering resilience, growing our economy, and ensuring energy for our citizens. Ours is a realistic and pragmatic model. That Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announcing that the Trump administration was formally withdrawing the United States from the Paris Climate Agreement. Well, that's Daybreak for this Tuesday, November 5th. AgriPulse Daybreak is brought to you by the United Soybean Board. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak, I'm Jeff Daly.